There's a storm across the valley The clouds are rolling in The afternoon is heavy on your shoulders There's a truck out on the four lane A mile or more away The whining of his wheels just makes it colder. Welcome to Community Forum. Wednesday, October 28th, 2020. And because of COVID, we are doing a Zoom interview uh, with um, Corey Ahonen, who has just been promoted to Deputy Director of Health and Community Services. And in that job, he is continuing to be Easton's veterans agent. He's also now being an out reach uh, coordinator with Ann Daly, a, a recreational agent, and um, the senior tax relief program he's taken over. So we have much to talk about. So welcome. Um, and my name is Priscilla Almquist Olson, your host. And welcome, Corey. Nice Thank you, Priscilla. You. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. This is our second interview, but I, I think it's been so long. Why don't you give the view is a very brief history of your history. Okay, um, so my history, um, I, I grew up on the Cape in Sandwich. And oh. uh, after high school, I, I joined the Air Force and I was a security forces member, which is similar to the military police. Mm. I was on active duty with the Air Force for just under eight years and um, traveled to different countries and a lot of different states within the United States and um, got to get some good experiences uh, in law enforcement, security, and, and just working with people in general. And uh, when I returned home after my service, I, I went back to school at Bridgewater State University. Um, I went to school for psychology in my bachelor's and then um, I earned a master's in public administration um, right after that. So kind of just led me to <clears throat> a nice segue uh, crossroads of the psychology and public administration in, um, you know, serving the needs of our residents and veterans in particular is what kind of got me with my start in the town. And, and as you said, now it's evolved to assisting anybody who needs help with pretty much anything. I'll start the ball rolling at least. And I, you know, I can't, I don't make no claims of solving everyone's problems, but I'll at least help you find a resource that might be able to help. Right. Well, yeah. you are very resourceful anyway. So um, oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. So tell, <laughs> tell us a little bit about um, veterans programs currently and the challenges that you face during these COVID times. Yeah, yes. So, you know, um, I have not, I mean, I go to my office, but it's not open to the public um, as it, you know, it's co-located with the Council on Aging, Recreation, um, and, you know, we just, it's not safe to open right now. Um, we've determined based off of guidance that's come down from uh, federal and state agencies. And anyway, so I have not operated out of my office for quite some time now. Um, I think initially it was, you know, it was two weeks and then, and here we are and it's, it's been, you know, closing in on eight months, nine months. Um, so that's a challenge, but uh, I would say within the first month or so, I, I was able to kind of, you know, we just kind of figure out ways to, to work around um, those roadblocks. And we, we've got 
you know, ways to get electronic signatures. Um, I'm accessible by email, cell phone, text message. Um, my calls from my office are being forwarded to my my cell phone. Um, you know, so it's it, it's really the same level of service is being provided. The only problem is, and I there's no way to really get around this. Um, you can't just pop into my office to say hi and get a cup of coffee, and you know that that's unfortunately that's a service that cannot be provided right now um, remotely. So, yeah. So um, you know the biggest challenges I've been hearing, you know, and initially it was, um, you know, how do we get groceries from the grocery store? Because is it safe to go to the grocery store? This early earlier on, you know, mm -hmm. uh, back in March and and early April. Um, I think a lot of seniors without the accessibility to, you know, apps like Instacart or, you know, these delivery services, um, I think getting comfortable with those types of things. So that, that was part of, you know, for those who have the financial means, I would kind of help guide them along to what resources are out there. And for those who need financial assistance, we'd, we'd cross that bridge as well. I, Got a lot of donations um, of gift cards to grocery stores and things like that, and worked with um, in conjunction with the food pantry and this program, uh, Food for Vets, where they basically provide a contactless delivery. You pop your trunk, they put a box in the back of your trunk. Uh, it's got two weeks worth of food for two people in inside that box. So um, that was coordinated and. You know, so those are the biggest biggest problems we were facing in the beginning, um, and now, most recently, the um, the moratorium on evictions and foreclosures that has expired. So now there's new, um, there will be new resources out to help people who are facing eviction or facing foreclosures, and and ultimately, I'll you know, I'll be in touch with those folks if they reach out to me and. Um, we'll kind of just explore those options because they, they're changing all the time, week by week. Um, so right now, that's currently the, the main issue. I mean, a lot of people, if you were on unemployment in March, you're, you're likely have run out of benefits by now. Um, so, you know, the, I've had some calls about our different programs that we offer, Chapter 115, which is a financial needs-based program um, that a lot of folks have become eligible for once those benefits drop off. So, um, it's, you know, it's really kind of gone from those struggles and, and stressful situations, I guess, to, for others and um, to just day-to-day -day things that people want to take care of, so. So, um, are there certain qualifications for a veteran to be able to access your services? No, so, um, to access my services, there are no qualifications. You don't, I mean, you even don't even need to be a veteran at this point because of the, the way my position is, is now um, designed. It's, it's for any and all community members who are underserved or, or in need or, um, so really anybody can call me to, to start. But what happens is, so, you know, I am limited by what the state and federal guidelines are. Um, or, you know, nonprofits that I work with, I'm limited by what their guidelines are. So if I use my, um, <clears throat> my resources and, you know, you have an issue, 
I can only refer you to what you're eligible for under their guidelines, but everyone is eligible to come speak with me and at least get, um, you know, I can kind of just do an overview of what's out there for them. Okay, so in, in that regard, what is your telephone number? Phone number, uh, and I will give my cell phone number. It's my direct, it's a work cell phone number. It's my direct line. Um, it is 774-273-1991. And okay, well, that's yeah. really nice of you. You're, you might get contacted uh, in the middle of the night sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll answer the phone for sure. Whenever I have it on me, it's usually on me Monday through Friday, eight to four. Um, but there are those occasions where, you know, I do need to, you know, if I get a call, I won't ignore the call. Um, if it's an emergency, you know, and the types of emergencies that we're seeing, especially now before we started um, the interview here, we were saying how it's, you know, there's a chill in the air today. Um, I think a lot of people have probably kicked on their their uh their heating equipment by now at least to make sure it works and so i you know we get calls like that um where someone is in need of emergency fuel assistance and uh, we're able to assist them through different resources salvation army saint vincent de paul um and then as far as veterans go there's there's other benefits there as well but uh with nonprofits and things but these are these are benefits that are you don't have to be a veteran to get assistance. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm referring to like, you'll get, you know, a hundred gallons of oil delivered um, as a, an emergency bailout, um, that type of thing. So it's, it's no small um, gift from, from these organizations. It's a pretty big deal that they're able to do that. And all I have to do is reach out to my Salvation Army rep and they say, go ahead, get the oil delivered. And, and that's it. So. Yeah. Pretty well, now those those um, services are available under your <laughs> senior tax relief program hat, um, and also in addition to fuel assistance, I think you can also get assistance on your electric bill. Is that correct? Yeah. So there are um, quite a few, and the programs all kind of, not all, but a lot of them interact with each other. So, like, if you're eligible for one, then you are automatically eligible for mm -hmm. another. Um, you know, such as like, if you're on chapter 115, you do become eligible at that point for um, the utility bill discount. Um, there's also discounts that are uh, marked from the um, Xfinity, like cable, internet, things like that. So not just essential utilities, but also these, you know, I mean, I, you know, cable internet is a, is a necessity in my opinion, but it's, um, it's actually, uh, you know, you can live without it. So, but they still offer these benefits. It's pretty nice. Okay. Could you tell our listeners what uh, our viewers, what this chapter 115 is called and what it encompasses? Definitely. So I am actually, uh, <clears throat> so I can give you the appropriate numbers. I want to pull up The current, uh, the budget's just changed. So I'd like to just pull up the current um, amount. So chapter 115, it's a, a needs-based um, program that it takes, it basically takes a snapshot of your current financial picture, how much money you have coming in all sources, how much money you have going out um, <clears throat> for certain things, not for obviously not leisure activities, things like that, but necessary items, uh, you know, they take into account your rent, how many dependents you have, 
um, if you pay for utilities or if that's included in your rent, um, how would you pay for property taxes and um, mortgage or property uh, and homeowners insurance if you're a homeowner? And there's a calculation that goes through and the town of Easton pays the amount that's calculated and it's reimbursed at a rate of 75%. So the state reimburses the town 75% of that money um, when it's approved correctly. So basically I, I enter it into a system, it's called VISMIS, it's a um, veterans uh, management information. And uh, you enter it in and it gets approved by the state. And then that's when I'm able to issue the check from the town of Easton to provide assistance to veterans, and widows or surviving spouses of veterans. And in this context, when I'm talking about a veteran, it's the state, so it's a state program. So it's a state definition of a veteran, which can get, it, it gets a little, um, it gets a little complicated for certain folks. So um, if you served on active duty for 90 days uh, during a time of war, um, you're considered a veteran. If you served on active duty for 100 days during time of peace, um, then you're considered a veteran at that point. So there is a there's a um, you know there is a definition there that that we have to meet, and you can find that by looking at the DD 214, the discharge document. And once we've determined, I mean, that's the very first thing that we'll do. I won't even get into the specifics of anyone about their finances and things like that until we've determined if they're a veteran. Um, for this program. Now, family yeah. is so, so chapter 115 is only available to veterans. Veterans and surviving spouses of veterans. Oh, I know. But, but, but oh, it's yes. not, not available to the general public. Not available to the general public. I, I mean, the closest thing that you would see, this is, is can most uh, closely referred to, it's a social welfare program. So it would, you know, it's similar to to that type of program. Um, you know, the 200, 200% uh, of the federal poverty level. So for a single individual, you have to have an income of $2,081 per month. Um, that's gross, gross per month um, to qualify. Uh, and a, a married couple can, uh, can have a combined income of $2,818 gross per month. In addition to that, a single person needs to have assets at or below $5,000. Now, assets are tricky. Each program, they're like, you know, do they count your house? Do they count your car? Um, they do not count your home. They do count your second vehicle, but most times your second, I mean, if unless it's, a, you know, an antique or something that's worth any considerable amount of money, it shouldn't affect you too much, but they, they count IRAs. Um, you know, stocks, bonds, trusts, anything that can easily be liquidated into, into uh, assets. So, mm -hmm. um, but other than that, it's, it's your basic liquid assets, bank, uh, money in the bank, things like that. So. So now tell me, I know that you, uh, you've had some very interesting <clears throat> and um, uh, interesting situations that come about. Um, can you tell us some of the situations where you felt that you, the most satisfying to you, that you did such a great job that the, 
person receiving the services was so grateful and probably didn't know they were available. Can you recount some of those without mentioning names? Of course, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. You know, I just, I, I look at it as, um, I mean, th these resources are out there. My position is to gain an understanding of them and translate it to those who qualify, you know? So when you say, I know, you know, obviously I appreciate it and everything, but you say I do it when I do a great job, but it, it's nice to hear. And I, I do appreciate that, but that's, I'm just spreading the knowledge that's out there anyway. So, um, but I can recount a few times, you know, there are times, there are times where uh, people will go years and not know they're eligible for these benefits. A lot of times it's a surviving spouse that will think, oh, my, my husband or wife served, but you know, they've long, long ago passed away and there's no benefits left for that or whatever. They just hadn't thought of it or didn't know about it. Um, you know, a lot of times the people that, that truly didn't know that these things were out there and they find out and they're able to benefit from them. Um, those folks are usually the most grateful and, you know, and, and it's, you know, I get thank you. And, and, um, and obviously I say, you're welcome, but you know, you you've earned this you deserve this and you know just spread the word pass it on pass it on to the next person um that, now, that this program's out there yeah okay and um as a surviving spouse or widow widower uh is are those services uh retroactive in terms when it's money that's involved no uh plain answer <laughs> no but we did have a couple of situations where someone was eligible and we were able to prove that they were eligible retroactive. So they were eligible retroactive, but most cases it's, it's, um, I mean, that was like a technicality. Basically the person had requested benefits and a certain time period had passed and, you know, but your typical person who says, Oh, I, you know, I just read about this in, uh, you know, the town crier, or I read about this in your newsletter, I'd like to apply. And I've been eligible for the past 20 years. That doesn't, they, unfortunately they don't, retroactively pay you for that but they do retro it to the day that you begin contact with me i see okay <clears throat> and tell us a little bit about the senior tax relief program that you are now uh, in charge of yes so i am actually um, <clears throat> in the middle of processing those applications and um uh, you know, there's an application that goes out there uh, every year. The program runs from November 1st to October 31st. So this new 2020-2021 year is set to begin next week. Um, so what it is, is uh, I'll start with, I, it, it's the senior slash veteran tax work off, right? So there's yes, two categories right. there. So um, the... We'll start with the veteran tax work off because that is probably the simplest um, one of the two. So to qualify for the veteran tax work off, you have to be a veteran under the uh, statute, the, the Massachusetts general law definition, which I told you before, the 90 days or 180 days. And to kind of just real quickly, just explain that a little more. If you served on active duty where you went to basic training and then you were sent off to your duty station and you know you came back Four years later, um, you're you most likely were on active duty, and, and that's your veteran status. If you say join the National Guard or the Reserve, and you leave for training, but then you come back for your weekend drill and you you're 
you know, what they refer to as a weekend warrior, or, you know, you do your drill weekends, you may or may not qualify under that definition. It depends if you had active duty service other than training. So that's something I can help people figure out anyway. But if you are a veteran, you don't need to be any certain age. Uh, There are no income or asset requirements. Um, I always sit when I explain it to people, I could say, you know, you could be a millionaire and work on the veteran tax work off program, but you, of course you'd have to have the time to do the 125 hours, but, um, so anyway, you can work up to 125 hours and you are credited at the amount of the, um, minimum wage for that period. So important to note, um, this year. Uh, minimum wage, obviously, it would be the minimum wage between October 30, I'm sorry, November 1st through December 31st. And then there's a new minimum wage amount effective January 1st that will go until October 31st. So the 125 hours, the total amount can vary, but, um, and I won't even, you know, estimate an amount, but it's, it's somewhere around 1500 is what most people can expect. But um, if you work the full 125 hours um, and you can, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, do you recall um, what the amount per hour was between November and December and then January and October 31st? Mm, yes, I can get that. I have that information right here. Um, let's see. Because I know it's important for some people who have been working since last November and during COVID, you know, around March, their service probably shrunk a little bit or shrank. Definitely. A little bit. That's and, been a huge, uh, a huge problem that, that we've been trying to deal with. And, and we actually have another potential solution in the works with uh, town council, um, which could, you know, and I, I know maybe you, you might be able to help us with some of the legalese, I don't know. But um, anyway, so it's, it's kind of trying to work around the way that the, um, the article was passed into the town because it was voted in. Um, it was voted in at town meeting going back. Uh, I did research back to the year 2000. So, you know, where there's been little changes made over time with the amount gets increased or the amount of workers that are available gets increased. Um, and things like that. So let's see, uh, effective January 1st, 2020, it was 1275 per hour. And 2021, I'm getting this off the Massachusetts, uh, mass.gov website, by the way, uh, 2021 is 1350. So depending on how you do your hours, if you you know, to maximize the program, you do no work in November and December and do all your work in January uh, through October. For the average person, uh, that may be difficult. I don't know. But for those who well exceed their hours, um, that may not be a problem. I don't know. But um, the way it works is you are assigned. So like the applicants right now that I'm processing will begin work next week tentatively. Um, and they're subject to uh, a criminal background check, Corey, sorry, and driving record uh, check if they're going to be driving or anything like that. Um, and then they are hired on as employees of the town. 
and they do all the proper paperwork there through payroll and everything like that. Because at the end of that year, they do actually receive a check that is for zero dollars, but it's a credit in the amount of hours you work times minimum wage off of your real estate uh, tax bill. So, and you see that in the third and fourth quarter, which will, will be coming up on that in January um, and then uh, April as well. So they sometimes split that disbursement between the two, the two final quarters, but other times it's, it's all in one. Um, it can be done multiple ways. That's done through the assessor's office. I, I present them with the verified number of hours worked um, that I track each month when people submit their timesheets. Um, the job placements, I mean, you can really, you could be, you can be placed doing pretty much any job that is done in the town. Um, the rules are it needs to benefit the residents of the town. Um, and I mean, that's a, you know, that's a pretty loose definition that we, you could make. I mean, we have one gentleman who he goes to the town cemeteries and, and repairs the gravestones at the town. Um, and that's pretty amazing work that he's doing and, and, you know, um he I gets a lot he, of hours doing it yeah yes yeah. i know and he goes to my church the lutheran church but i also know his work because a uh, a tall stone monument stone fell down on my on my father's grave and my mother's oh. grave my sister's grave and uh he uh he put them at the pratt cemetery and he put put he oh he did a magnificent job and they were wow. they were three pieces so it wasn't an easy job, but he's so meticulous and he's a great guy. And yeah. whatever, whatever he does, he does it well. Yeah, no, it's amazing. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, you hear me mention excess hours um, and I, I will, I'll take it back around to the senior tax work off in a moment, but the excess hours can go to um, those applicants who are physically, mentally or otherwise unable to work. Um, they can assign a proxy to work for them, whether that is a spouse or if that is just someone who has these overflow hours, they get applied to that individual who with proper medical documentation is not able to work themselves. So, um, so, so it's, it's very valuable when we get those individuals like that, that want to, you know, they end up working, you know, three, four, five, almost 500 hours um, throughout the year. Wow. And you think about it, you only need 125 to, essentially get someone close to $1,500, roughly $1,500, don't quote me, because <laughs> everybody's results may vary based on how many hours they work, but um, it's amazing. That's such a huge, a huge resource that we have. Um, and this year it's been threatened, you know, with, with the COVID restrictions and, and people not being able to work. Um, but I am hoping that We've come up with some nice creative ways to uh, combat that if it comes up again. But, you know, obviously we can hope for the best because um, we have until October 31st, over a year away now to get these hours in. And uh, I'm hoping that everybody will be able to. But one of the programs that we've implemented for our tax work off um, workers is this program. It's called the Friendly Caller Program. And um, it's not an original idea. It's something that, um, you know, I've heard a, a lot of local churches and, and organizations are doing as well. 
Um, but for the town, we will be gathering names and phone numbers of our, you know, individuals who consent, obviously, to us giving this information um, to our list of tax work off personnel. And they'll be placing weekly calls to just check in, uh, say hello, talk about current events or the weather or whatever you like, honestly. And um, it really will help bridge a lot of that social isolation that's come from from this, uh, you know, safer at home guidance. And it'll also help the tax work off folks get their hours remotely. Um, you can't get much safer than that communicating over the phone. So, so these are the types of opportunities that are, are available through this tax work off program. Um, and I, and real quick, I want to just discuss the senior, um, requirements. So, to be considered, if you're not a veteran and you want to participate in this program, number one, you have to own own a home in Easton. Um, you have to have a, a real estate tax bill in your name. Um, the home, uh, we the trust, if it's in a trust, things like that, we kind of cross that bridge. Um, that's an individual, you know, basis. We review the trust and and determine who's on the trust and things like that. But um, so still talk to me if you if your home is in a trust uh we can still see if you're eligible um there is income and age requirements so the age requirement is 60. so are you 60 or over um if the answer is yes then you are eligible to apply um you need to include your most recent federal income tax return so applying for this year your most recent return would be from earned income 2019. Uh, it's not what your current year's income is. So keep that in mind. Uh, for a household of one, your total gross income uh, annually for 2019 must be at or under $49,960. Um, and then for a household of two, uh, gross household income for 2019 must be less than $67,640. And they, you know, the application goes into a breakdown of what that income is. If it's money, money coming in is income. Okay. So any money you're getting deposited, um, you're getting in exchange for something, anything like that. It's not just earned income. It's, you know, they count social security, any money, um, income is, uh, you know, the true meaning of the word. I know a lot of people will wonder like, well, you know, is uh, my pension counted as income? Yes. The, any money that you are being paid on a revolving basis is counted toward this. Um, and then after that uh, application is filled out, uh, we complete the basic forms, the quarry, sorry, driving record, if applicable, and uh, then your payroll forms. And then you are free to conduct your hours up to 125 paid, right? Reimbursed or credited with a real estate tax exemption um, or abatement, it's not a full exemption, but um, you're free to, to get those hours at whatever pace you work out with your direct supervisor. Um, and most likely that means that you, you set your own schedule. So it's a pretty um, convenient, um, you know, you end up learning new things or meeting new people. It's a nice way to earn.
credit off of your income tax um, and the town benefits from it as well because we get wonderful volunteer not volunteers wonderful workers um, and wonderful people that can help us help others so oh that's wonderful um, I have a question about the the home status um, I know that there are people who have uh, who when they get older they they have a life estate they take back a life estate in their home and to transfer the home to their children, but take back a life estate. So they are <clears throat> uh, literally the ones who pay the taxes and they're, you know, so my question is, would that qualify? Or don't I'm you pretty know? sure, I, you know, it's, it's, it's such a uh, case by case thing because there could be something else that's in play there. So it's, I can't say every single person who's in that situation would qualify. Um, it does sound like they are lit. So if their home's in a trust and they're listed as a trustee, they are eligible. Okay. Now, well then I, I would think this would be eligible too, because I believe uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Because they are, they are, they are, uh, they're, we can reside in the house for a year. I mean, uh, for their lifetime. Oh yes. Yep. Whether that's a year or 10 or 20 or whatever. And I know um, as a former attorney, I know there were people who uh, wanted to do that so that they could save their home for their kids, for example, because uh, if they register a life estate five years before they're going to need uh, any kind of medical assistance, uh, Medicare, any of those Medicaid, yeah, any, right, Medicaid, or, you know, um, and they avoid a tax lien or a lien rather by the nursing home if they have to go to a nursing home they avoid that if they have survived five hours from the date that that life estate is recorded five so, years yes so after five years the house is free and, and you know for many people um that's the really their own their biggest asset and they really Absolutely. want to stay in their home but they also want their children to to have the the benefit of the the sale of the house so, um, you know, I'm, I would think that that would qualify as much, much as a trust, because if it's put in a trust, it's, um, uh, well, I don't know, but that's an interesting question. Yeah, I'll no, and I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's our program in the town. So if there are situations <laughs> where it's, it's, not, um, it's not fitting the needs of, of, you know, certain individuals, then, then that's something that we can address at the town level, uh, at our town meeting, things like that. But um, no, I mean, I know I, I, and that's the responsible thing to do is to, when you become of that age, you put your home in a trust, you, you handle your assets properly. And so those things don't become liabilities. Um, so why penalize someone for, for trying to do something responsible for their family? So I, I, I would say that um, with the intent of this program, I don't think that would be a problem. I will say, however, like, if, you know, in, in your rare case that you're going to get it um, with the tax work off program, but, you know, chapter 115, I know the state will pick up if there's what they call a divestiture of assets. Like if you're just spending money to qualify for these programs, you don't, you, you get, it can be picked up on very easily um, by mm. anyone who has a sense of, you know, how accounting and things like that. But uh, so that's not advised. If you're close to the limit, don't don't spend the money on you know don't go buy yourself a new car so you can qualify for for the benefits. But but that's not what this you know the tax um, the situation you're talking about is is trying to be financially responsible and um, and I don't think there's any reason there to to look further into that other than you know 
whether the person's listed on the trust and and they're still paying all those taxes, absolutely, they should be reimbursed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so um, you you are now doing two or three times the amount of work that you did previously, and I imagine you're getting much more efficient. Or how is it feel? How does it feel? <laughs> how does it feel? Uh, it feels fine. I mean, I you know. I don't know. I mean, I really enjoy the work that I do um, with the veterans. That's what kind of, I mean, it, it's, it's the greatest work. There's such uh, an abundance of resources out there for veterans, right? Unfortunately for the rest of the population, there's not as much uh, out there in the same volume that there is for veterans. So it's, that's been a challenge, you know, but just, trying to help people i mean how can you not feel good about that like just you know and i it's my job i get paid to talk with people and help them identify resources or figure out you know ways for them to turn and fix their problems it's it feels really good um and it is it has been extra work um but i don't do it alone you know i have i have the help of the staff uh of the uh health and community services department um, you know, Kelly McMorrow, she's manning the phones at the COA and, and helping, um, you know, schedule things. And, and she's been helping a lot with a lot of the um, emergency calls and, you know, people kind of wondering, the, you know, the first stop for resources, things like that. She's handled quite a few crisis situations since the beginning of this. Uh, you know, I have Lisa O'Hearn, who uh, is my uh, administrative assistant in the veteran services office. And she also runs the transportation out of the COA. Um, she's really just, you know, basically taken over the chapter 115 program under, uh, under my, you know, oversight, of course, and, and my involvement in it still, but um, you know, so I have a, had a lot, a lot of help and we've kind of shifted responsibilities a lot. Um, and then, uh, you know, obviously, like I told you before, the other deputy director is Ann Daly. So she's my counterpart. Um, and there's Bruce Henshaw, who's the lead bus driver. So, you know, we all and we all pull our own weight, like just because Bruce is the bus driver, you, you'll catch him in there folding newsletters and preparing them for uh, shipment. He's running to the post office every week for us. And uh, we're all kind of like, you know, rolling up our sleeves and, and just doing what we need to do. And and it's it's definitely a team a team effort. And um, so, you know, while all those folks are not on this interview with me, they're like, you know, we're all behind this work that that I'm able to do. So it's pretty amazing. It really is. And you're out as an outreach uh, coordinator. Um, you're able to answer the questions for those who are not veterans for resources available to them, like the fuel assistant. Yeah. <clears throat> yes electricity uh, and all of those uh, mm -hmm. programs. Because I know there's also uh, an exemption program for uh, anyone on a, on a poverty level income, I think, uh, for yes. relief. Yeah, there are quite a few programs. Um, so, and there's also, you know, to that point, there's also veterans programs for, so there's the tax work off program, which we already just outlined. In addition to that, there are real estate tax abatements or adjustments that can be made, right? Um, all the way from, you know, uh, for the veterans, uh, the smallest level is $140 for the year is um, adjusted from the tax amount 
all the way up to a full exemption. Um, for the seniors, there are different levels there, you know, and, and they are uh, very individual. And, and I, I not really to get into right now all the specifics of each one, but, um, you know, there's a senior. Um, there are tax abatements for disabled. Uh, there's CPA tax uh, relief. There are um, uh, the circuit breaker. Um, program. Let me real quick. So um, let's see the circuit breaker. Well, I know I <clears throat> I know from the assessor's office that um, there's an, if somebody is below a certain income, they can request an exemption from the um, conservation preservation <clears throat> yes. charge. I think the surcharge is still 3%. So for most people, it probably is only a hundred dollars plus something like that, maybe. Um, so, but it, but it's it certainly is worth it. I, <clears throat> but I know a lot of seniors are very pro environment, so they're not yeah. going to cancel. They're not going to take advantage of that one. Um, yeah. So, um, but but it's available. Right, that and there's also there's also a full deferral. So if you're over sixty five, mm. um, you can defer your taxes and until that property sold or transferred. Now, uh, you know, that's a decision for, for you and your family to make. Obviously, that's not <laughs> my first go-to for anybody. But in, in a lot of cases, it, it is beneficial to do that. Um, that's, you know, it's just an option. So, you know, and in addition to all these, you know, the real estate taxes, there are uh, motor vehicle uh, tax um, abatements and exemptions for certain disabled veterans um th there's a lot out there so it's it's really best to uh you know call me to schedule an appointment or do your own research and then call me and we kind of will go through together um you know i i kind of uh, i pride myself on not necessarily remembering or memorizing everything that's out there but knowing where to find it because it changes like i said it's ever changing and you know, if I were to memorize um, all the benefits out there for people, I'd, I probably would be missing a lot of new ones that pop up. So, um, so yeah, there, there's, there's a lot out there. Um, yeah, uh, I have for, one question for everybody. What, do, for the senior tax relief program and the veterans relief program, you do that on a rolling basis, I believe. So the sooner one gets the uh, application in, the the sooner one has a chance. Because yes. how how many slots are there for uh, veterans, and how many for non-veterans? So uh, right now we currently have um, there are open spaces, and it's after the deadline for applying. This year we are uh, opened a little longer. I'm not, I'm being a little more lenient because it's. Oh, yeah. We're late in the game, you know, I mean, November 2nd is already Monday. So, um, but anyway, so there are 20 senior spots and 15 veteran spots and some of them are interchangeable. So if you have a veteran who is also a senior, right? Um, because remember I said the veteran, there are no age or income requirements, but if you happen to meet the requirements for both, you can easily be moved into the other category, opening up a space for another person. Right. Um, so yes, yeah, so, so 35, uh, tax work off workers potentially, and, and we're, we're not quite full of 
you know, all spaces have not been taken as of yet. So feel free to apply. And um, I actually, I have applications. I'll, if I could real quick, I, I put the applications there. They're in a, uh, a plastic Tupperware pickup box outside of the council on aging, mm -hmm. right by the wheelchair ramp. Um, they can just, someone you reach in, grab an envelope. That's your application. Fill that out with required documents and return it in the mailbox. Um, that's right there as well. And uh, we will get that process. So now tell me how soon are those applications available each year? So the applications become available in October each year. So you have, you know, <clears throat> about a month. Well, next year will be different. We'll have the application out on on or about October 1st is my plan. Um, you know, just being my, um, you know, learning year this year with this program where I, I'm learning how to facilitate the program myself. Um, you know, I'm doing the best I can. And I made the, I made the application available, uh, I think like the second week of October. And I, I gave folks about two, two and a half weeks to, to get it done and returned. It's, it's a simple application, except there are the documentation that goes along with it that, you know, if you keep good records should be easy. If you don't, it's a, um, you know, tax return summary page that you need to provide along with um, one of your uh, most recent real estate tax bills. So, um, yeah. Great. Um, and hopefully um, with we're getting a vaccine in next spring or early summer, and, and maybe some of the seniors will get it even earlier because we're in a high risk group. Um, so how do we, uh, how do those seniors find out? They just give a call during the year, put it on their calendar and see when the applications are ready so that they can get one. And I'm sure you mail them out too, if necessary. Yes, so what I, mean, I do is I mail a letter to the current, um, currently enrolled participants. Uh, and that letter summarizes where they're at for hours. And, you know, that gives them an idea of how much more they need to get done in the next few weeks. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this year in particular, it's a little different. I've been in pretty close contact with, with folks just trying to help them meet their hours. And, you know, unfortunately some have not met their hours and that results in a prorated um, abatement. So, um, Yes, so I will send a letter out to the current applicants and we also put it in the coordinator, which is the newsletter from the Council on Aging. Uh, it should also, it also ends up going in the town crier um, and anywhere else that you basically, you find your, your news about town programs. Um, you know, I mean, we also, it runs in the enterprise uh, and other local newspapers and uh, we try to get the word out as best as possible. Yeah, and I'm sure it's on the town website too. Yes. Yeah, and and you know um, that is the town website. I get the town crier. That is fabulous. And yes. for those viewers who don't have the town crier, um, I think you I think you can go online at the Eastern Town website and sign up. Is that correct? Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And, and get notice about and you can also sign up for notices about the police weekly police reports planning. Mm -hmm zoning boards and uh, conservation commission. Uh, you right. can get all of the minutes of the um, select board. 
you know, and all yeah. the other minutes of all the committees and so forth. That is a wonderful way to keep uh, keep caught up with what's happening in town. And also, if you see something that you want to support or something you don't want to support, you can act accordingly. Right. No, and that's uh, um, that uh, documents on demand is it's a great a great resource. You can, right. Yeah, you can set um, you can set notifications. So you'll actually I have it set for um select board agendas and and meeting minutes and things like that for for certain certain things um so you can just see the the latest on those and they it gets emailed directly to you so you don't even need to go try to dig it up um and real quick i i yeah i'd like to just mention um a quick plug for uh the taxation aid committee which is also another um uh program under my purview there it's a committee it's not a program but um, it is, um, it's essentially, it was voted in by the, the town presented by the select board to provide a voluntary donation checkbox on, you know, say for instance, your water bill or your local utility bill of any kind, or your property tax bill, where you can voluntarily donate to this taxation aid committee. And the committee then takes into account certain cases of individuals who are in need of assistance or aid um, and the money that is raised from that is put into a separate account and is used to assist them in, in different ways. The committee is not fully seated yet. I'm, I'm taking applications. Uh, so if you're interested in you know, being involved with some of the work that I'm talking about doing where I'm able to take an individual who's having some financial issues, things like that. And, and, and then there's this pot of money and, and the committee will decide who is eligible to receive this aid. So if you're interested in that, um, call me at my number again is 774-273-1991. Or, or you can email me, uh, my email address can be found on the town website or uh, it is C-A-H-O-N-E-N at easton.ma.us. And um, I mean, there's really no, you know, you can also find that on the available committee, uh, the committee availability section on the town website. And um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that as well. Thanks. You know, I've learned something. I didn't know there was a checkoff box on, on utility bills. Well, it's a new a new program um, that the committee has not been seated fully yet. Like I said, we're still doing interviews and you may not see that box on your bill just yet. But okay. it has it basically the town voted in the ability to put that voluntary donation onto, um, you know, things such as uh, the um, property tax bill or your uh, excise tax bill. That's the word I was looking for. So yeah, yeah. but now don't you also have a veterans uh, fund uh, that is that you you have access to? that's purely yours that people can donate to, to help veterans? Yes, uh, the Veterans Discretionary Fund. We accept donations in the form of gift cards, cash, check, um, really any, any way that anyone's willing to, to donate, um, every, any donations are accepted. Um, and the way that's distributed is, is on a needs basis. Um, and that, uh, interestingly enough, I'm, I was able to kind of so, so with these definitions of who a veteran is, uh, we obviously have some folks that fall in between the gaps of those de definitions. And, and 
you know, we still need to help those folks. They're, they're probably some of the, the ones that need the help the most, uh, able to fully assist them through this veterans discretionary fund. There's no requirement of certain days or anything like that. It's if you once wore the uniform, uh, you're considered a veteran by the town of Easton, at least. And that's, that's what we, we have charge over this uh, discretionary fund that, you know, we have the latitude to make that definition apply to that fund. And I can issue up to $500 prior to select board approval. Um, it is for preservation of, you know, your dignity, uh, self-sufficiency, and, um, you know, basically essential life needs, right? So if you need, you know, the example I always use is the veteran who's in the hospital for 30 days and comes home and has no fresh food in their refrigerator. Um, that's a good example. The um, veteran, who, and this is also surviving spouses available as well. Um, the veteran who uh, fuel tanks running low and they need an emergency oil delivery. That's, these are appropriate uh, expenses for those. Great. <clears throat> and uh, so you don't look into their income status then, just the fact that they're a veteran. No, so I, yeah, I apologize. I didn't make that clear. There, <laughs> there is, it is a needs-based as well. Um, we look, there are no, no strict, um, you know, definitions as far as assets and income are concerned, but we do look at the fact of like, if it is, if it's appropriate um, to, to use. So the veterans discretionary fund, it's kind of uniquely named. So just because it's, you know, it's the discretion of, of us issuing it um, to those who need it, who are in need, that emergency financial need um, so we try, it's, I think it's, it works very nicely the way it's defined and the way that the policy is written, we can use it for a wide variety of things. And, and we're not really constrained by, you know, this red tape of, uh, you know, that you often see with a lot of these, uh, state federal programs, nonprofits. I mean, rightfully so it's a lot of money that they're dealing with, but it's nice to be able to get that immediate assistance without having to jump through hoops. Right. And also, um, It'd be, uh, I'm so happy that you, you discussed that because our viewers, perhaps those who are fortunate to be privileged uh, and have more than other people, may want to consider that as a, a gift during the holidays, for example, uh, to send you mm. a check or send you uh, gift cards. Get a gift card when they're shopping for food, for example. Um, that would be greatly appreciated. Right. Okay. Well, thank you, Corey. Once again, uh, you have given us a wealth of information and also your private phone number to call, which I think is wonderful. So people uh, who have questions, who aren't sure about what their status is, whether it is a veteran or non-veteran for any of these programs, uh, please, please give Corey a call. He is a wonderful, wonderful guy. He's so uh, charitable as a person, and he's so uh, open to listening and a really good listener. And that's what the town of Easton needs in order to uh, fulfill the, the services that you provide. So we thank you for all of that and um, wish, you the, wish you well. And I wanna congratulate you on becoming a, uh, a married man. And <laughs> thank just, you. And he only took one week off for a honeymoon. That's how difficult <laughs> this man is. How the pandemic. The pandemic honeymoon. Oh yes, right. Yeah, that was a challenge. <laughs> Options limited. So, no, I appreciate it, Priscilla, and you know, thanks for having me and and 
uh, as always, I'm glad to be on. And real quick, I just do want to mention one thing, uh, one last resource, right? So uh, the state offers this uh, 211 hotline number, right? So if anyone has lost their job or has lost income during the pandemic or at risk of becoming homeless, that 211, that's going to want to, that's going to, you know, you're going to want to have that as a, a, a resource um, to try that as well, in addition to the services we offer in the town. So, what's the phone number for that? 211. Oh, 211. Okay, that's an emergency um, phone number for people. Like a hotline. Who... Yep. Right, right. Okay, wonderful. Thank you again. So, this is Community Forum. Uh, signing off for today. Hope you have enjoyed this program as much as we've enjoyed uh, producing it. And until next time, uh, stay well and stay safe. Thank you for joining us.